Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Hey, hey now. Hope you had a great weekend like I did. I had an incredible weekend, a lot of fun. Went down to South Florida to see the Honda Classic. Thanks to Karen St. Angelo of PJ National, who hooked me up with some incredible VIP tickets, by the way. But I also went to meet with some clients down in Boca Raton. And the best part was I put on a little email blast because I knew I was going to have four hours free. And if you're anything like me, and I know you are, you are busy, you're inundated with emails and phone calls and people walking into your office, you probably never have a chance to breathe. Well, I had four glorious hours free on my drive down to South Florida, and I just put out an email blast to my list of folks like you and just said, hey, if you want to chat and and talk about anything, whether that's technology, governance, government relations, anything, let's just have a chat. And honestly expected nobody would either text me or call me. I gave out my cell phone number on that email, expected no one to get a hold of me, but I got messages from Scotland. I spoke to people in Canada. I spoke to people from Wales, texted me, people from all over, like three or four different countries all over the United States. We had a ton of great conversations. We talked about literally everything from video marketing all the way down to people who were looking for their next job move. And I was able to hook them up with some of the folks that I know who do executive search and just had a a fun time. It's just great every once in a while to just have a chat with absolutely no pressure, no sales involved and just talk to people. And I really enjoyed doing that with a bunch of folks, probably talked to 20 or 30 people between emails, texts, WhatsApp messages, and phone calls on that little four hour trip. It was the fastest four hours that I've ever had driving down to South Florida just flew by because I had so much fun talking to people. So thank you if you're one of those people who reached out and we chatted. Thank you so much for doing that. It was good to spend a little time with you. The other cool thing that happened over the weekend was the fact that we launched a new campaign. We got our first client in Canada and I was a little nervous just like you are anytime you're going to do something slightly new. I know our leads generation platform works incredible with the clubs here in the United States that we work with, but we had never run a campaign in Canada. So we launched our first campaign on Friday afternoon late in the day. And I'm going to check it right now just to see where we're at. But the it was out, unbelievable. It, it blew my socks off. I couldn't believe how many leads this club got in such a short amount of time. Let's see. Where are they at right now? Last I looked, they were at like 24 leads over the weekend. And right now, they are standing at, that one, 36 leads. Basically, in in a little over two days period, a little over 48 hours, they're at 36 leads. That's incredible. That is so cool to see. Because, you know, I had, I, I've had conversations with clubs that say, you know, we, we do our own, you know, Facebook marketing or we've got another company that does it. And I'm sure that that's true. And I'm sure you're doing the best you possibly can. But when, in, when somebody can come in and do it more efficiently, more effectively and drive that sort of action, 
I think that to me, that would be well worth the investment. There's lots of things that I can do that I don't do because it's not the highest and best use of my time. So one example of that is graphic design. I'm a graphic designer. I can design really pretty things. But Richard, who works for me, is a much better designer than I am. And he does it in half the time that I do it. And so it's better if I have Richard do it for me. It's the same thing with lead generation and development. I've put together an incredible team of these really talented people who can do it faster and better than even myself. And uh, just really excited when that happens for a club to see that. They were averaging 50 cents per lead form, which if you know anything about Facebook marketing, usually it costs 50 cents just to get a click. And one out of every 10 clicks might fill out a form. Well, they, over the weekend, my team put, put together a campaign that generated 36 leads at an average of 50 cents per lead. They spent something like $18 over the weekend. That is efficient and effective. And the manager told me over the weekend that he was able to convert one of those leads already into one of their trial memberships. So the whole campaign's already paid for itself in the course of about, I don't know, 18 hours. How cool is that? So if that's something that you think you need at your club, whether you need more membership prospects or if you just want to simply free up more of your time to do what you do best, make sure to reach out to my team at privateclubagency.com. You can even send an email directly to Patrick, which is just patrick at privateclubagency.com. Would highly recommend you do that sooner than later because we can only take so many clients and we're just about to max out for the year. Well, we have a fantastic guest today for you, Miss Diana DeLucia, who's going to talk about F&B trends. She's going to talk to you about her new awards that are happening in September up in New York for chefs and for the culinary side of things. And she's just an incredibly smart, talented, wonderful individual who cares about this industry. And I think you're going to enjoy what she has to say. Without further ado, here we go. Well, it's my pleasure to welcome once again to Private Club Radio, founder and publisher of Golf Kitchen, Miss Diana DeLucia. Diana, how are you today? I'm fabulous. Thanks, Gabe. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I hope you're off to a good 2020. I know you're traveling all around. And what I really wanted to ask you first is you're going into some of the most exclusive, some of the best kitchens in private clubs around the world. What are some of those trends and what are some of the most exciting and fascinating things that you've come across lately? Lately, particularly in the last year and a half, what I'm noticing is there's a lot of attention on the culinary team now in the private club industry, whether it be country clubs, whether it be private golf clubs. And I do believe in private clubs in general, there's a big focus now on the food, the wine and the beverages. There's a big focus on the health side of food and they are looking for amazing chefs to come and work at their properties and they're also spending millions and millions of dollars on brand new kitchens, dining rooms and clubhouse renovations as well. Yeah. I'm noticing that. It's incredible how much and money sure is being spent. Well. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Like the the budgets are, are are outrageous. But you know, it's it's always been kind of a not a stigma, but it the private club world has not been a place that some of the top you know, culinary talent has gone to, but that seems to be shifting very rapidly. Of course, thanks to your magazine and the work you've done to highlight what's going on at private clubs. 
But do you find that to be the case? And, and uh, are private clubs making inroads and in, in attracting more talent? I most definitely know this is the case. Uh, when, when 10 years ago, when I first started covering this and I made that phone call to Troy Albert at Sabonic Golf Club, um, it was a time when food was not even looked at as part of the golf industry. It was just some, you played golf and you ate or you went somewhere else to eat. And the food at the golf club was, you know, petty. It wasn't anything to, you know, care about. But from my perspective, when I was going into it, it was very different because I knew that these real upscale clubs, they're not going to accept terrible food. Right. So I knew that that was just a generalization and I thought I needed to explore this world to see what I could uncover. And that, that was how it all started. So right. I kind of traveled all over the world and wrote the first book, which included the culinary side. It was more of a all over the golf club side. It was called Golf Club World behind the gate and um you know it covered the superintendent the chef and the gm the owner and it also had you know recipes so that was really popular and then obviously i started golf kitchen after that and it really started in about 2014 2015 there was a real shift in in the way golf clubs were looking at the dining at the club and and I think, and I'm not a golfer, so it's tough for me to say, I just think with all of these problems with getting tee times, the length of the game, um, you need to keep golfers at the club to stay at the club. So they're really, really starting to focus on that, focus on keeping members at the club, and it's becoming more about the member experience as a whole. Right. And places like Wycliffe and... In um, Wellington, I was just down there. They've just spent maybe $20 million on the clubhouse renovations and new kitchen. They have a great team there. They're about to renovate the golf course. Uh, they've got two 18-hole courses there. So they're, they're really making changes so that they can compete in that environment, and they are outstanding. That, that place is gone from being you know, an average country club to being spectacular. And, and I know the members there are extremely proud. And the GM there, Rob Martin, he's he's like such a good GM. They're very lucky to have him there. Well, I've got to I got to hand it to you because I think you really are the person for me and for a lot of people in this industry that put food on the map when you started Golf Kitchen. I think you were one of my first ever interviews on the show, maybe in the first 15 to 25 interviews that I that I had. I think you had just started the brand. So I'd love to just kind of catch people up if, for those who haven't paid attention, you know, where Golf Club, where Golf Kitchen started and where it's come to today. You've gotten into much more than just the magazine. You've done books and now you've got awards and you're doing a ton of things. So tell us what's happening with Golf Kitchen and what's exciting you right now. Well, Golf Kitchen, I'll, I'll start with the first part of the question. Golf Kitchen really began in Southampton at Sabonic Golf Club in 2010. Mr. Pascucci was, he's the owner, Michael Pascucci. He embraced my idea and gave me my first break in, in my food in golf, you know, idea. And I'll never, ever forget that. And, I mean, he's 
just an amazing person with, with a great heart and, and a great mind for business and ideas. And from there, we, like I said, I traveled the world. We did the first book and they were on the cover and it was fantastic. And then that book sold out. There's like three left. And then it went to Golf Kitchen and that was where Wingfoot came in. And I had spoken to Colin Burns, the GM there, about, about the idea and he embraced it. And in fact, the book launched, Golf Kitchen, the book launched at a party at Wingfoot Golf Club in November of 2016 and it was fantastic we brought the chefs from Emirates over from Dubai we had Kiwa Island we had Sabonic we had Wingfoot and they cooked up a feast we had a big book signing and it was just fantastic it was just a great experience then we took it to Kiwa Island at Kasik I think you actually came to that I was there it was what a night that was I brought my wife we had an incredible time it was fantastic, wasn't it? And and that's where it really started to take off. And, and I think the influence of, of those clubs like Wingfoot and Kiowar and Subonic and now Glen Arbor, I think they're really, really rising and helping me rise that brand up high, especially now having the awards and the magazine. And the magazine is a, a biannual. So I changed it from quarterly to biannual because I, I feel so strongly about the quality needing to be really high. And we kind of like, I struggled with that for the first year of being a quarterly, but now changing it to biannual, it, it's just, it's going to stick around longer. It's a collector's item. It's beautiful, high gloss, really thick paper. I really like the way it's turned out. It's beautiful. I've got a copy that sits right on my bookshelf. I don't know if you signed it, actually. I think next time I see you, I've got to get that thing signed. Um but I love it, and I and I flip through it, and I'm a big picture person on images. Your background as a photographer really shines through, of course, because those images in there are beautiful, and my mouth waters. <laughs> Usually after I'm done flipping through it, I head right to go get my lunch break. <laughs> well, I don't know if you knew, but I was part owner of a magazine in New York City that we started in 2004, and we, we ran it from 2004 to 2010, and we shut it down because of the recession. And in hindsight, we probably should have kept it going, but you know that wasn't to be at the time. And it was called New York Restaurant Insider. And this was going back in the day before blogging. Wow. So we, we got to work with the best chefs there are in the world over that six-year period. So, you know, from Thomas Keller to Eric Repair, Anthony Bourdain, I mean... I was photographing the gods of food, food. So I had really good training. And that, that's, that's why I'm such a strong culinary photographer. Yeah. And the passion comes through. I mean, you know, a lot of people could just go take pictures of food and make money doing it, right? Or, you know, but I, the passion that you've got for the food side and for private clubs really shows through. And, and again, I, I just tip my cap to you because it, it, it's portrayed in your work. And so if, if folks haven't seen that book, haven't subscribed to the magazine, uh, I just want to remind you right now to go do that. Go to golfkitchen.com and get subscribed because it's a fantastic publication. And um, you're coming out with a March edition very shortly. Diana, who's going to be on the cover of that this, this month? I'm really excited to say that, 
Sean Christopher Lewis, after 10 years, I've been trying to get the attention of Liberty National and Mr. Paul Fireman and Chef Sean. And finally, um, we've done all the work. They're, they're going to be in the next Golf Kitchen book, Golf Kitchen America. And they're also on the cover of the March edition. Wow, cool. What a, what a, what a big one. So um, tell me about Liberty National and what's, what's some of the exciting things that are happening there. Wow, there's a lot of exciting things happening there. Chef Sean has created, not only does he have an outstanding menu wine collection, he's really focusing in on the cocktail side of things now and bringing the kitchen and the cocktails together. And when I was there, I was just blown away by what he was doing. We actually went out on the golf course and we had a beautiful Indian headdress and the cocktail surrounded the the Indian tribe. And I can't remember the name of it, but I'm going to be publishing that in the magazine. The photo is absolutely stunning. And and we had models, which was fantastic. Nice. And then he started a program called Chef and Chic. and, And it's a cocktail program where really the cocktails are more menu items now and and he's bringing real scientific techniques to the cocktails as well as a lot of infusion which is very popular right now but the way he's he's doing it is in a very artistic way that you wouldn't normally see in a private club industry but i am seeing a lot of attention going to the cocktails at private country clubs like addison reserve and and Wycliffe, Boca West, they, they've been really focusing in on, on the cocktail side. And I'm also noticing non-alcoholic drinks are becoming very popular as well. Hmm. I was in uh, Qatar, and they do mocktails because obviously there's a you know a ban on alcohol for the most part in the country outside of hotel, some high-end hotels and whatnot. But uh, at, some of the, at the club that I was visiting, they do mocktails, and they did a really good job of it, actually. Uh, really interesting combinations and yeah i could see that i could see a lot of people um bringing that to their club soon that's pretty cool i was actually like talking to someone the other day who who's uh bringing out a product that and i'm not sure of the brand either and and you can sous vide it's a portable sous vide system that if you know what sous vide is it's a cooking technique you know, it's been in okay, my, so you know what that it's is. It's been in my presentation for a long time. It's a you know French technique. Sometimes you you have that thing going for for an entire day, sometimes or or longer, right? Slow cooking, yeah, in the water. It's water, like a water water temperature base. Yeah, you kind of cook it whatever temperature, and it will stay at that temperature without continuing to cook. Right. So you can leave it there, and I think this this company has developed a um, a version that can be taken out onto the golf course. Oh, cool. Portably, wow. and, and, and that they can even keep wine at a certain temperature for the members nice. that like to have their, their reds at a particular temperature. So I think that's something new and exciting that could be coming in the future as well. Yeah, I love that. It would be great for events or for tournaments that happen or, or just uh, big member events that, that go on throughout the year. That would be, that'd be pretty fantastic. I can see a lot of clubs bringing that on. Let's talk about... Well, don't you think... Just one thing. Don't you think that the food at the golf tournaments should be of a much higher quality for the <laughs> visitors than it currently is? I would say so. <laughs> I think like Augusta will never change with their little cheese and pimento sandwiches, but um, for 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 it's pretty pretty bad. I go to the 
the Valspar Championship every year here in Tampa, and I go to uh, a couple other events throughout the year, and it's you know, like hot dogs, cheese steaks. It's it's pretty pitiful. Even if you go into one of the VIP tents, it's it's uh, not something that you. It's not that that's all that appetizing. I would love to see that elevated at at golf tournaments. And I think, hey, you Me got too. the crowd there. I mean, these are people who. Um, this is your chance, I think, as a, as a club to to show the world what what you're doing and, and to serve a you know a, a terrible presentation of a cheesesteak. <laughs> you know, it's just not not your best foot forward. So you're right; that would be a, a wonderful place to do it. I know Bay Hill. I know I do know this that at Bay Hill, they don't outside cater. They actually create everything at Bay Hill that they serve at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I yeah. do know that. That goes to their culture. I mean, the home, you know, the home style and, you know, really the hospitality of, of the Palmer family, that, that's unmatched. So that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. But even, you're, even and we're, I was talking about PGA Tour tournaments, but even club tournaments, you know, like I finish a, a tournament at one of these clubs and again, I'm served hamburgers and hot dogs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's your chance. You got 144 people that probably 70% of them aren't members of your club but could be, you know, they have the money, they have the resources, they have the time because they're clearly there. And how can you serve them a hot dog and a hamburger? It's it's um, it's a big missed opportunity. You're absolutely right. But I want to move on to your award show because I'm excited for this. This is happening September 10th at Glen Arbor. Uh, let's tell folks what they are in store for and how they can reserve a ticket for this. Well, we're, the tickets are already on sale. Um, well, they're not on sale. They're $250 a ticket. And, and that's a steal, can, <laughs> let me tell you. You can email admin at Glen Arbor Club if you're interested in booking a 10 top or, you know, two seats or something like that. Uh, there's only 80 seats available, so they will sell out really quickly. And we are super excited both at Golf Kitchen and at Glen Arbor Chef Michael Rogerio is the lead chef. We haven't selected the golf clubs that will be cooking at the awards yet, and that process will be revealed soon, um, probably around March. And I'm excited about it because we've worked so hard over the last two years to perfect this event. All the participating chefs have worked hard. The clubs have worked hard. Even the purveyors, the champagne, the wine purveyors, all of our produce, Everything that we had at that dinner was donated because everybody wanted their product to be seen by the chefs and the members and, and the guests. Right. This it is like the Oscars. Uh, this is the Oscar awards for the private club culinary side. Well, we're building it to be um, an incredibly influential culinary event in the industry, and it's going in the right direction. And, and we've got a great team a great team of GMs in general that are incredibly supportive and clubs that are incredibly supportive that are willing to say, yes, we want our chef to go and cook at these. This, we will give him a week off. So the collaboration between the chefs at this event and growing and develop, developing it has been phenomenal. I to watch it. that as someone who has their own business that started this whole vision, to see that all fall into play um, and having these chefs becoming really great friends in the industry, which didn't happen before because it was so competitive. Right. 
now they're able to, now it's encouraged to collaborate with other club chefs. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I was, like I said, at, at one of your events, the Keo Island one, and that one blew me away. And, and I know it's just gotten better and better since. Tell us about the awards, how they work, how the nomination process works, how, how clubs can get involved in that. Well, we have a, there's a group of us that um, discuss the awards. And it really is not a winning award. It doesn't make you the top 10. We're not going to get into any of that. It's just not appropriate to do that in the private club industry on that level. It's really club excellence. Does your culinary team have culinary excellence in everything that they do? And that would we have a, a club award for that and we have an executive chef award for culinary excellence. Um, like Bay Hills and, um, um, sorry, Chef Robert Lee, he was our first um, selected winner of that uh, award. Not winner, but he was the first awardee, right. so, so to speak. Yep. And then we kind of really try to find clubs that, A, I've been to, others have been to, and we get a lot of feedback, and that's how that process happens. Well, sign me up. But, I'd love to be one of those people that gets to gets to visit and eat everything. <laughs> there, there's not going to be, here's an email, everybody, and who's got the most friends to nominate. It's never going to be like that. Right. I, I don't believe in those types of awards because sure. it's, nobody's going to even dine at the property. Right. It's just whoever's it's got the most friends. popularity contest. Yeah, and, and, and it just kind of waters down that whole right. culinary system. We won't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so if clubs want to engage with you, Diana, or want to work with you, how do they go about doing that? Well, I'm very open. I'm an open book pretty much, and I'm very, very good on the phone. I try to answer my phone when it rings. I try to email everybody back that emails me. So you know, feel free to give me a call. The number's on the website, my email's on the website, and I enjoy talking to chefs. I talk to a lot of chefs on the phone, as you can imagine, and I enjoy doing that. Um, we're actually starting a, a Q&A thing in the magazine, too. I, that's a new thing. And it's a chef Q&A, GM Q&A. So if, and they can, they can be anonymous. They, if they have a problem in the kitchen at the club, then they can ask that question. Mm-hmm. And I have a team that, a team of professionals actually that are answering the questions. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting. Definitely. Absolutely. I think that would help a lot of people out there because. Kind of like, like a deer golf kitchen. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. I love that. I can't wait to hear about that uh, and see it when it comes out. So. Diane, I know you're very busy, and I appreciate you taking the time to be with us here on Private Club Radio. I hope folks will visit that website and reserve their ticket uh, reserva- uh, to get a reservation to the Glen Arbor event. One more time, that's admin at glenarborclub.com. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your 2020, and I can't wait to have you back on Private Club Radio to share more with us later in the year, Diana. Fantastic, and I'll talk to you soon, and I'm looking forward to seeing what your next moves are. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> Bye, Diana. Thank you. Bye. That was awesome from Diana. Hey, if you haven't already, make sure to check out membertext.net. 
That is our show sponsor, who is more than just a sponsor. I actually use their service myself to send timely and relevant text messages to my list of prospects, of YouTube subscribers, and so on and so forth. Check them out at membertext.net. You will not be disappointed. I've got another great week ahead of me. I hope to crush it, which I hope you do as well. I'll catch you back here next week on another edition of Private Club Radio. And until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.